From OFS, I'm Doug Shapiro. This is the Imagine a Place podcast, where we explore the power of place and the role of design in our lives. It takes a village, and design is certainly no exception. David Lancaster is a member of the London-based furniture design studio Web Associates. For over two decades, David and his teammates have been designing award-winning and innovative furniture products that go to workplaces all over the globe. Most recently, they've designed OFS's Heia, Obeya, Collide, and many more. I've enjoyed getting to know the Web Associates team as a member of the OFS marketing staff, and I've particularly enjoyed the relaxed and casual conversations that I've had with David Lancaster over the years. Some of them were in dark and moody German-style bars, and others were just simply over coffee at the office, but I wanted to bring you into one of those conversations. David and I met in person to record this one. Today, he'll share his point of view on creativity and design, and you'll quickly pick up that David is passionate about one particular area of design, while others in his studio are focused on other aspects. Hence the title, It Takes a Village. Kick back, relax, I think you'll enjoy David's style. Well, I'm excited you're here. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I'm excited to explore your career, your uh-huh. thoughts on design, you as a person. Uh, it's kind of funny, you know, I, I know you do a lot in workplace. Mm-hmm. I was actually thinking about work and I was like, you know, when you're a kid and you think about work, it's kind of this like boring thing that adults go yeah. and do. Yeah. And not only are you working, but you're actually working on how other people work. It's like, how much down the work rabbit hole can you go to where like, okay, (laughs) do your kids, are your kids interested in what you do? Uh, Do they know what you do? Yeah, they they know what I do. And um, they're always interested. They come into the office quite a bit. Just to say my kids are quite young, seven and nine. So if I have to do early pickups from school, that kind of thing, they come into the office. So they are interested. I think whether they truly understand, I don't know. but yeah, they're good. They're, they're, they, my son is, uh, you know, into Lego and all that kind of thing. So I'm not sure whether that means he's following in footsteps or anything like that. But yeah. all right. Well, you know, I'm I'm curious on on your thoughts mm-hmm. around design and work, and I I think we'll get there eventually. Um, but I also am curious, kind of, in the cultural differences that that you experience being in London, uh-huh. you know, and designing in and for the US. When did you actually start in your career being more international in, in your career pursuit and what you're designing for, how you're traveling, all that? Um, well, I suppose it depends what you mean by international. Are we talking transatlantic or transatlantic, European? intercontinental. Intercontinental, okay. So um, that must have been um, about uh, seven or eight years ago, I suppose. Okay. And how we came to the US was via a kind of back door, really. We designed a product for a Taiwanese company that then got picked up by a American uh, chair company. So it was obviously a TAS chair that we designed. And 
uh, being American, they wanted it bigger. So we had tool, the whole chair must have been, I don't know, a, a quarter of a you know, quarter of a million dollars, the actual tooling budget for the chair. And the Americans just said, we need it bigger, want it bigger. And so we had to then go back and redesign the whole chair and scale it up a bit for the American market. Okay, so. I mean, that's a, that's a great segue into a lot of questions I have about, okay. and you know, even outside of intercontinental, uh -huh. let's even just stay international. I mean, there's so many cultures, right, just in, just in Europe, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so many ways of kind of interacting and working and being social, um, different, like, preferences on how far you stand from people, you know, like yeah. how do we greet each other, all these things. And, and I wonder, you know, when you're designing, do you think about these things? Because a lot of times you don't really have control over where these products go. I, I would say there's a lot of thinking that goes behind that. And I'd say that's what makes um, a lot of our designs quite successful. I, I think we, uh, we research heavily who's going to be using it, why they're going to be using it, where it's going to be used, and, and how it's going to be used. That, that does form a big backbone of a lot of the work that we do. So, and I'm talking we as in a team at Roger Webb Associates. So we have a team of four at the moment. And everybody's different. Everybody's different within the office. We have a range of size of people in the office. So I'm English through and through. Roger was born in Africa. Um, so as a, a, a colonial background. Then Tony is uh, dual nationality. He's uh, Portuguese parents, but born in the UK. And then we have Dario, who is a uh, Sicilian, uh, who has uh, recently moved to the UK. So we've got quite a diverse um, heritage, really, in that respect. So that's a that's a great place to go to work every day. I mean, yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, I mean, it's a small team and it's a tight team. Uh, so you know, you have to be close. So it's nice. It's a great place to work. Okay, so I want to ask. Right, I'm I'm imagining the way that you guys work together. Uh huh. But then also, um, you know, are, are there some fundamental differences in the way that you would design something for the U.S.? Let's say a collaborative product. Uh -huh. Are there differences in the way that collaboration happens there than collaboration might happen in London or somewhere else? Like, are there some fundamental things other than let's say occupant size i was going to say size is possibly the main thing <laughs> okay I, I think no i think the the um general feel is that the world is shrinking mm. so you have companies that are now multinational so i think the way of working is um pretty similar you, you are going to have cultural differences but we're all working online now so yeah. speaking to people other than a time change, time difference, it's all pretty seamless now. Yeah. So. I think your point of the world being smaller absolutely does ring true. You know, I I would say, I'm, in terms of what I read out in the world, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the people I follow, especially like when I think of um, um, Philip Ross mm -hmm. and Unwork, WorkTac, he mm -hmm. hosts conferences all over the globe. And I love to follow him to hear those uh, points of view, they aren't generally very different. I mean, everybody's kind of coming out of the pandemic with very similar points of view around hybrid work, the purpose of the office, right? Nobody is, I think, approaching it dramatically different. I think the pandemic has been quite a leveling 
playing field. You know, there wasn't uh, everybody down tools at the same time. So everybody was facing the same problems of how do we continue to work whilst at home. And I think as a company, we believe very much that all this was happening. It was happening and all the pandemic has done is just accelerated. You know, we were start people starting to work from home anyway. But um, there was obviously, I think, quite a bit of mistrust with uh, employers that people, if they were working from home, would not be working. So this acceleration, I think, into this hybrid working and home working has been pushed forward by the pandemic. So, okay, I have I have a lot of questions about about that. I want to uh-huh. go, I want to get into that, but I also want to get back into your personal life a little bit mm-hmm. too. Having traveled. Um, the way you traveled, if you weren't officed in London, where where would you want to be officed at? That's a good question. If you could just take your team, and they all existed yeah. somewhere else, yeah. And, well, and why? Why would you pick that place? Um, I'm not very good with languages, so I think moving, <laughs> you know, and learning a new language, I, I think, would be uh, not. You know, there's always the classic, you know, Australia, sure. you know, those kind of places. Definitely, yeah. I would consider, you know, Sydney. But again, it's a, a, there's no language barrier, so that would make me feel a bit more comfortable, I think. Exactly, yeah. Your options yeah. would be kind of limited, at, yeah. at, you know. If, keep, but I, I, had con- I, I definitely would consider the U.S., and I'm not just saying that. You know, I love coming over here. It's uh, That's awesome. Like, great. what part do you like? Well, I, 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 what part? I'm Surprisingly, maybe or not, I, I love the Midwest. I think the people are great. They're really chilled. It's really laid-back lifestyle. It's slow. It, it's nice. But I'd also like the mountains. I wouldn't mind, you know, living in Colorado, somewhere like that, oh, you yeah. know, up in the mountains. Absolutely. You know. So how, how does that, I mean, like, having all this exposure, uh-huh. how does that impact how you design? And have you even processed that or even taken the time to think, like, oh, I, I am who I am because of all these experiences, and I bring those to bear on every project I do? Mm-hmm. Does that go through your head? I, well, if I go back to the reasons why we travel for the manufacturing, I've, I'm pretty interested in that side of the business. I quite like, uh, you know, going into factories, understanding how things are made, why they're made that way. So I think that is quite, for me, a quite a big informant. I, back in the office, it frustrates some of the guys a bit, you know, because we, uh, we've got a spread where other people are much more creative and don't necessarily consider let's say how things are made whereas I think that informs quite a lot of mine so uh, you know the manufacturing side I love going to factories again so how I got into design uh, I I didn't necessarily study design I went through school not necessarily the most academic of children so uh, you know a, a, a route as a mathematician or English literature was never really open to me <laughs> so I was more in you know art and design and, and that kind of thing. so I left school uh, after A levels I don't know do you know A levels 18 okay we do GCSEs and A levels and then you leave school so I went to college to do a art foundation which is a year course where you get to study um, design, sculpture, photography, and then you specialize for your last uh, semester. And I actually uh, did fine art. So I was doing art as mine. And I went to university and I studied sculpture up in Newcastle, which is right up the north of England. And 
after that, I finished my degree and I think I decided by that point that I didn't want to be an artist or an art teacher or anything. So did you I like was, your art when you were making it? Oh yeah, I loved it. Art? I like, cause you I like your... making stuff. Yeah. So you, know? you were like, is there art that you have from there that you're still proud of? I, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's funny you should say that I've gone, uh, before I came out of here, I've started cleaning out the loft. So uh, there's quite a lot of it in there, and it's interesting <laughs> to pull out. I would say I'm still pretty, pretty proud of it. It was, it was nice. good. It was good. Uh, but whether I would have made a career, who knows? Who knows? But um, so at that point, I was trying to think, what could I do? So I actually went back to college to do a master's, and I uh, went on a course which specialised in furniture design. So I think that obviously gives me a slight, maybe different angle yeah so uh yeah so it was and, and definitely the right move yeah because i think the more i've moved on like i say the more into the technical engineering maybe is where i've uh you know found myself enjoying it so maybe it's kind of interesting you like yeah like you like started more abstract yeah right? exactly and exactly kind of worked your way into a more narrow yeah point of view yeah. It's, it's just kind of it's it's interesting yeah you know, you, you might often hear with um designers when they talk about being brief for a project that i always prefer a very narrow brief if someone comes to you and says design me something <laughs> like well, it's you know that really throws a cat amongst the pigeons whereas someone comes with a really tight brief you can really focus and i think that's where i've gra gradually gone it's just been focused further down the line you know how so, i know this how because coming into this conversation, you were like, wait, what exactly are we talking about, Doug? Like, can you be yeah. more specific? Yeah, I don't like surprises. I'm not one for surprises. <laughs> and somebody, you know, somebody had asked me once, like, hey, how, how do I prepare for this interview? And I was like, well, you've been preparing now for 40 years. Yeah. So it's fine as long as you're yourself. Uh, well, that's cool. Are there, are, there, um, are there some things that you love to read about, talk about? Um, Oh, I don't know. Again, um, read about, talk about, talk about. I, I like I say I've um, just started playing golf, which has become my new passion in life. Why did you just start? I'm just curious. Like, um, what was the motivation? I got bought some golf lessons for my birthday. Uh, <laughs> this was during the pandemic, and uh, so it would have been I think March when we were coming out of uh, lockdown. I don't know whether you guys locked down quite as severely as us probably depends on where you are in the country yeah yeah so uh we locked down over over christmas was the second lockdown okay. so i'd got this present and so i went off and did these these lessons and have been hooked ever since it's uh you know kind of i i, I feel it as it's quite nice um to get away from, that sounds really bad to get away from home not to get away from home <laughs> but to go out on my own and you focus on something which is not related to home or work and it completely consumes the mind and it's quite i find that quite therapeutic in its do you have any like way. big ideas while you're golfing or is the point of golf no 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 it's ideas? not it's all about uh well trying to hit it straight is what it's all about you know kind of so um no and that's what i like about it it's uh decompressing you know and um i, I just don't think of anything else other than that so i, I think it's got that slightly therapeutic the shower is when the big ideas. Yeah. Again, when you wake up in the morning and the shower is my aha moments, I think. Yeah. So. I, I did a little research into that. 
because uh, I was curious, you know, like why is yeah. when you're doing something where your brain doesn't have to think, mm-hmm. right? But you're it's you're you're just occupied enough, you know, that it's like your brain then gets to like wander into this yeah. kind of empty space, kind of like when you're driving, you know. So yeah, 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 um, definitely. And, I, and I'm super curious about creativity, big ideas. That's something I love to learn about. Uh-huh. I don't know if you have a philosophy on creativity. No, 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 no. There's no, I, there's no philosophy. I think, I think there's this idea that creativity is someone um, who just comes up with these ideas. It's actually to be creative and come up with ideas is actually very, very hard, and it takes a lot of brain time and thinking. And quite often the um, idea isn't the first thing you come up with. You have to work through a lot of things to actually start that ball rolling. And the hardest part of a project is always the first few weeks when, you know, you get your brief um, and then you've got to start putting it down and trying to formulate that brief in the product. So... I well, it might be that I, I know there's some hugely creative people out there that are just I think on another level that are just special. Yeah. So, but for me, I think creativity is actually hard work. It's a long slog. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily come easy. And I think that a lot of people will say that it's. I I don't have this where you're walking down the road and I see a cloud and suddenly you know think that that would be a great form. That might and be I, a myth, huh? Yeah. Well, I I think this. Um, I think creativity and design is is hard working and and you know constantly going over your idea and refining and refining and and I think that's my process. I like to strip out as much as I can that is unnecessary. So mm. I don't know whether I'm some kind of you know a more purist designer rather than a, an aesthetic. You know, some people have have an aesthetic that the uh, the uh, aesthetic sorry, that they um, you know, work with. So it, it's. Did you do that in your art too? Uh, my my art was. Uh, I, I can try to explain. My final art show was to do with taking mundane, maybe kitsch objects, and by casting and 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 stretching them to make them more abstract artistic valuable huh. objects and that was the kind basis like a salad of salad or dolly kind of thing uh, well yeah. you know garden gnomes and then i would cast them and uh, in silicon so i could stretch oh, wow. them and stretch them out and then uh, recast them in porcelain and things like that to try and make them you know really abstract wow shapes. interesting so That's yeah really cool. so it's quite a uh, quite a, a change from what i do now yeah, but, yeah. The, you know that the way you're describing your creative process, your design process mm-hmm. is like much less sexy and romantic than uh-huh, I think people yeah. want to believe yeah. design is, right? Yeah. I, I did yeah. I did hear a funny quote, which was like, uh, uh, design is simple. You just stare at a screen until drops of blood form on your forehead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, wow. or the eyes bone. And yeah, it is. Uh, I, I think that's the thing that people have this romantic idea you know that you swan around with a pad and just sketching and and maybe some people do some people do but where you have to remember we're also in an industry which is very functional Mm -hmm. 
you know, uh, I do think the office, as as, as it's uh, people are coming back to the office, they're wanting a more um, interesting place to work now. It's not such a hard machine as it was with straight edges. You know, given that people have been at home, they're getting used to working on a sofa and those kind of things. So there's there is that aesthetic side of it again, but um, it's I, I I think if I was designing maybe cutlery or something like that, it's much more uh, of an artistic approach, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think in office furniture, and oh, you say about sexy design, office furniture has never really been classed as sexy design. <laughs> and when I got into uh, working with uh, Roger, so I've just done 20 years now, at, just. at Roger Webb Associates. Yeah, just done 20 years, which is a drop in the ocean compared to Roger, you see. Right, so right, that's why right. it's just... Um, it was very unsexy. We were doing, you know, simple cantilever desks and it was about price and functionality. Was that enough to keep you excited and motivated about design? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Because that's when you get into the engineering side of it. And, and I think... This idea that just because something looks interesting and cool, if if I'm given a brief that I that I write and I just do something that looks really good, people see that as the exciting part. The exciting part is for me is really getting into the nuts and bolts mm. and refining and refining and stripping away away until you've got the the core essence of of what you what you need. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know whether that's the way my brain works logically. You know, uh, mm -hmm. I, again, I've never really um, focused too much on that. But I do think there is this idea that if it's really sexy and fun, then it's a good design. Quite often that's not a great design. It depends where you're coming from. And certainly I think the things that I see maybe in Nikon that inspire me uh, when I walk in and I'm like, oh, that's that's so simple. You know, why didn't I think of that? Uh -huh. It's a really simple solution to a really complicated problem. And that's what I feel. That's what excites me in design, not something that has an initial attraction to, uh, you know, that, that initial attraction will die and go away. Right. Whereas right. this clever mechanism or idea, that's, I think, where, where, you know, and it's that kind of thing I should have thought of that first. I love it. You know. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would really appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. To discover more design stories, visit us at OFS.com slash imagine a place. From OFS, I'm Doug Shapiro, and you've been listening to Imagine a Place. <laughs>